0: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our mission is to be a vibrant, Bible based church dedicated to making disciples, reaching the lost, and influencing the world. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Thanks, kids. Thanks for that reading. What a tremendous passage it is. And that's our our take today on Resurrection Sunday. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to Holly for those songs, because he lives, and all hail King Jesus. What great songs to sing on Resurrection Sunday. Thank you also for allowing us into your homes again. Um, While it is much appreciated, we do miss you Um, in church. We miss you, seeing you face to face. But um, here we are. This is our first ever virtual Easter Sunday morning, uh, weird as it may be. What a powerful day it is in the kingdom of God. It doesn't uh, diminish the power and authority of Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus conquered death, hell, and The grave, ripping the bars of them asunder, and one day going to destroy death for us all. Amen to that. And so on this day, the ancient Jews would have greeted each other in this way. They would have said, Jesus is risen, and the retort would have been, He is risen indeed. Now, um, 20 years after the resurrection, in around AD 53, AD 54, Paul took his pen and wrote um, a couple of letters to a church in Corinth, and um, uh, this was uh, a letter that was addressed to these people because there seemed to be a, a bit of confusion around um, the resurrection. Some of them were confused about it. There was all kinds of theories going around, like there was a swoon theory that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Some of them didn't actually believe in the resurrection at all. And so um, in the first letter to these people, he he writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 6 to 8. This is what he says, He appeared, he's saying, come on, guys, you need to catch yourself on here. Here's the truth of it. He's saying he appeared to upwards to 500 brothers at one time. And uh, after that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared also to me. And then he makes this little statement um, in verse 14 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is our faith. Supposing that Christ has not been raised, he's saying, the resurrection, had it not occurred, what would follow? What would, what, where would we be? He's saying that the preaching, the good news of the gospel would be in vain. The message that Paul, he, he and all the other apostles preached would be nothing but worthless words, a colossal hoax, um, empty based on a lie. All our preaching down through the centuries, all the worship songs that have ever been written would be just one big fib. And after all, the resurrection, he said, is the key element of the Christian faith being inseparably linked to some of the Bible's most basic teachings about God's sovereignty, about his name, about his kingdom, and about our salvation. And so this is really important. And then he says this in his second letter in 2 Corinthians 5.15. I love this verse. He says, and he died for all talking about Jesus. He said, Jesus died for all, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul's saying Christ died for all, indicating that every human being alive on planet earth has a value to God. That's what he's saying. He says, Easter message is the radical declaration that Uh, of how God sees every person, no matter color or creed. It matters not young or old. And of course, the gospel writers would have declared this about the resurrection as well. Matthew puts it this way in his last chapter in 28, 5 to 7. He says, But the angel answered and said to the woman, this is at the tomb that Dave was reminding us about at the start, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is Risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. So here's the truth of it you don't need uh, an Easter bunny or some chocolate eggs, no matter how nice they are, to excite the imagination about Easter. It stands alone on its own without any help. And, and, and so our celebration this morning is found around an empty tomb. And uh, I stood in it in June 2019, and I can verify it is empty. It is empty. And as a matter of fact, the greatest symbol of our Christian life is found in an empty tomb. Now, what I want to do this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to take I want to talk to you about three empty things, all right? Three empty things. I want to talk to you about three empty promises. That's a strange thing to say, but three empty promises, an empty life, an empty cross, and an empty tomb. That's what I want to talk to you about. So first of all, an empty life. Here's what Paul says about that, and we're going to track through this chapter in Philippians 2, just through a, a few verses. In verse 6, he says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus was showing us that the way to be full is to be empty. Real fulfillment comes when we're empty of our own desires and make Jesus the desire of our heart. That's what he's showing us here. And Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished. That just meant fulfillment. It meant something was completely done. He had finished the work to its entirety and Jesus had literally Emptied himself of everything he had to offer, so you and I could have abundant life. That's what he says in John 10 10. He says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have life to the full, or one of the versions calls it, one of the versions calls it uh, abundant life. Abundant life, is something very powerful. So he poured it all out. He emptied himself um, uh, of all all other things so that we could have life. He stepped into humanity at its worst and offered us his very best. And if you're not experiencing God's presence in your life at this moment in time, it's maybe that you're not empty enough of other things. And so um, the the Lord specializes in filling empty things. When we empty ourselves of all other stuff, that's where God actually specializes in filling us. And I love this. In the creation story, you find that um, when the world was without form and void, when there was nothing, when it was empty, it says that the Spirit of God was drawn to that, and the Spirit of God hovered upon the very face of the deep. He flung the universe into an expanse of emptiness. He hung the stars upon nothing. He turned nothing into something and hung it in nothing. Now, work that out. It's a bit of a conundrum, but it's the truth. And there's something about this. In John 6, we, we have empty stomachs, quite a few thousand of them actually, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And the disciples said, well, let's get rid of them. Let's send them home. Jesus said, you can't do that because they're tired. They would faint on the way. Philip, he, he said, well, why don't we, why don't we, Get, buy them enough food, and then he worked out that it would probably take nine to ten months salary to do that. That wasn't going to work. And then, of course, um, Andrew found a little boy with a lunch, and he knew it wasn't Much, but it was a start and he brings it to Jesus and Jesus had the true solution and he took the little boy's lunch and demonstrated that little is much when God is in it. And all four gospels record how Jesus gives thanks prior to the breaking of this bread, showing the multitudes that only God can fill emptiness. We serve a God that specializes in filling emptiness. In John 2, he fills some empty pots at a wedding feast a village event for the whole city to come to. And um, there was a festive mood until the unthinkable happened. The host ran out of wine and the people began to scurry about and whispering about the problem and the whole crowd knew and the host was embarrassed and Jesus was told and feeling their emptiness and how inadequate they were when they ran out of options, he took some empty water pots, filled them with water and then worked a miracle. And the joy that the world has to offer is just temporary. It always runs out. And the result is always a void, emptiness. But the joy of the Lord is ever new and ever satisfying. And the world offers you its best at first. You know, the best day in sin is the first day. It's just downhill after that. People will tell you that about their first drink. After that, it's just downhill. And, and Hebrews 11 talks about this, talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. Proverbs 14 puts it this way. It says, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful and the end of that mirth is heaviness. Proverbs 20:17. bread of deceit is sweet to a man but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Sounds horrendous, doesn't it? But Jesus gives miraculous joy that never ends. He gives us his best from the start and somehow it just gets, sometimes we say gooder and gooder and I often say it's not good English, but it's good preaching. Or it just gets, better and better. That's what it is about Jesus. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And the longer we serve him, the sweeter he grows. We serve a God who specializes in filling emptiness. Now, over the last few weeks, we've looked at a few things. The first week of sort of lockdown, we looked at Jeremiah 23, or 29, 11, and we talked about the plan and purpose that God has for us and how it's good. The second week, we looked a little bit about how we'd all been sent home and that it would be good to try and find our, our, our true identity. And then last week, we upped the challenge a little bit that maybe more than just find our true identity, we should be looking for our true call. Now, I'm not saying that God brought this, this coronavirus thing to bear far from it, but I can tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is refining his church and working through it. I have no doubt of that. He has allowed us to, to, to start taking some irons out of the fire all right, and make him a, a, a priority. Remember, last week we said making the most important thing the most important thing, and I'm going to suggest to you some things that I think need emptied in our life, all right. Number one, we need to be emptied of sin, all right. God cannot fill a vessel, all right, that there's no room to pour into. He can't fill something that's full. It's impossible for him to do that, and if we harbor sin in our lives that's habitual, then then. God can't really work with that. You see, Christians aren't sinless, but we should sin less. And uh, it's all about desire. So true repentance is not perfection, but it's about turning to Jesus with all that we have. And then, so not just emptied of sin, we need to be emptied of self. True intimacy with Christ will never be found until we stop bowing to the shrine of self. And then thirdly, we need to empty ourselves of substitutes, all right? Be careful. Often we, 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 we try to substitute service for surrender. We try to, to substitute work for worship. But Martha becomes Mary when she drops her to-do list and falls at the feet of Jesus. And at this moment in time, we've been allowed a second chance to get this right. Out of the busyness of all of our lives, it's been stripped away and and God's given us a chance to empty ourselves of some of these things, all right? Serving is good and right, but maybe we just got too busy serving God and not good at spending time with God, and there's a difference in that. So accept no other substitutes but spending time with him, emptied of sin, emptied of self, emptied of all substitutes. Not only have we an empty life, Two more things really quickly. We've got an empty cross. The cross is empty. The cross is empty, yet it's full of the promises of God. The empty cross tells me that I can be forgiven of all my sin while it was a place that was cruel, a place of death, a place where Jesus was beaten and broken and bruised, and he took it all on himself that we might not have to. Listen to what Paul says in the next couple of verses in Philippians 2, verses 7 to 8. It says, rather... He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by coming, becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus showed us that the only way to go up is to go down and to go down on our knees. When we couldn't go to where he was, he came to where we were. That's the beauty of this. He came to our level. John 1:14 says this, that, that, that he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So one of the versions says he moved into the neighborhood. So the empty cross tells me that I can be free of my past and have a great life in and through Jesus. This cross is the place where Jesus died, but today it's empty but full of the promises of God. It's empty of the body of Jesus, but full of the promises of God, full of hope full of destiny for you and me. This, this, through this empty cross, you and I can stand forgiven because it's on that cross Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins. An empty life, an empty cross, finally, an empty tomb. You know, Jesus died to settle all and he rose to prove that all was settled. Listen to what Paul says in verse 9 of Philippians 2. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Give him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Without the empty tomb, there's no savior, there's no salvation, and there's no hope. Nothing is sure in, in the world in which we live in at this present time, nothing is sure. Never more a reality and more candid than it is right now. But I can tell you this: the fact that there's an empty tomb, we have a risen Savior who is alive and lives to plead our cause. It's beautiful. In fact, the the empty tomb is the truth of the resurrection of Jesus and the promise that every single one of us will be raised to life at one day. One day, if we know and we love the Lord Jesus. And to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, death has lost its sting, something that we don't need to fear any longer. And whatever fear there is, there's a promise one day that we will live with him forever in heaven. The world gives us promises full of emptiness, but God gives us emptiness full of promise, the empty life, an empty cross, and an empty tomb. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, We've done this each week. We would love you to, to give you opportunity, and we've we've widened that opportunity a little bit. And so what we're going to do? We're going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about that afterwards. So let's bow our heads. If you. I've never prayed a prayer like this. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this would be your opportunity in this Resurrection Sunday. And maybe you've wandered away from God. Maybe you're not as close to Him as you once were in some shape or form a prodigal. And today is the day that God's inviting you home. Would you pray this prayer? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I'm ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you're the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for burying my sin and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Be my Savior and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love you to, to let us know. There's a number, it'll be on your screen, but um, the number is 0333 050 Three, two, two, three, in the bottom of your screens, and um, that, that number is available to you right now. If you would love somebody to pray with you personally, you'd love to talk to somebody about this, then you can phone that number um, and and that will direct you on the path to go. Also the reason for that is just to give you resources to help you in the process of growing as a Christian, you need fellowship and people around you, and we have loads of resources that would help you to do that and I hope you're blessed, and I hope you'll do that today. As we finish, our worship teams have written and recorded a song, and I know personally that you will be truly blessed as you watch this. So may the Lord bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information on Emmanuel, check out our website at www.emmanuel-church.co.uk.